the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The outbreaks have hit Marine Corps Air Station Futenma and Camp Hansen. Okinawa's governor says a few dozen cases have been found, but he couldn't offer a specific number because the U.S. military asked that it not be released. Local media have put it at 60. Governor Denny Tamaki says Okinawans were shocked by the news, adding... We now have strong doubts that the U.S. military has taken adequate disease prevention measures. In a statement, the Marines say troops are taking additional protective measures to limit the spread of the virus and are restricting off-base activities. Okinawa has only about 150 cases of the coronavirus. I'm Ben Thomas. More details on these and other stories at srnnews.com. Mike Gallagher defends his country. The accusation that America's 4th of July celebration is indeed a celebration of white supremacy. That's garbage. That's nonsense. We reject slavery. We reject racism. We dis- we reject discrimination and bigotry. We reject hate. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 8 on AM 1280. The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, the Closer Edition with Brad Carlson coming up next year on The Patriot on a Sunday just after 1 p.m. in the Homestead Road Weather Center. Salem Radio's own Larry Elder is a 2020 nominee to the Radio Hall of Fame. Check out our Facebook page and am1280thepatriot.com for details and cast your vote for the great Elderski for the 2020 Radio Hall of Fame. A big congratulations from everybody here at The Patriot. To the Great Elderski. Your forecast calls for a beautiful afternoon. Sunny in 84, clear overnight down to 65. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T-3, 2, 1. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. It is the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another edition of the broadcast we like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning into our shows. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. That's hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in on a uh, beautiful uh, July Sunday. Hope you all are enjoying your day today. And I have a feeling some of you may be listening to this on the podcast later after it goes live. I always, that's perfectly understandable. Uh, go to am1280thepatriot.com, click on podcasts. Remember, it's a special feature for our Freedom Fan Club members. And if you're not a Freedom Fan Club member, well, what the heck not? I mean, if you're listening to these programs, certainly uh, you're into AM1280 The Patriot and uh, all the fine perks we have to offer. So, Become a Freedom Fan Club member today. Uh, John Consigliere Berg, am I correct? It costs nothing to sign up. Is that uh, nothing is that to sign right? up? I, no strings attached. You got to give up your well, email. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Small price to pay. A win-win-win. Win. You give up your e- yeah. We don't solicit. We, we you know we we don't send you. Mm-hmm. We don't spam you with a bunch of emails. We give you valuable information on the upcoming book of the month and how you can get exclusive content, particularly when we have Patriot events. Assuming we'll be able to have social gatherings within the next uh, year or so. We'll get back there. I'm confident we will. We will. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. But when we do, you're going to be one of the first to know about it if you are a Freedom Fan Club member. So sign up today. Well, folks, a lot to get to this uh, first hour. Kind of breaking up the show a little bit by uh, first local news here in the first hour. Excuse me. And then some more national headlines 
in the second hour. Uh, I became aware of this uh, video that Senator Scott Jensen put out last Sunday. It was last Sunday morning, and I pretty much had a show put together. Otherwise, I would have addressed it then. But it's gotten a lot of play. Uh, Senator Jensen is a uh, physician, has been a family physician for nearly 40 years, and is also a Minnesota state senator out of the Chaska area, so Senate District 47. Uh, Senator Jensen, he was first elected to this uh, to his Senate seat in 2016. Uh, however, he's not seeking re-election this November. Uh, and a uh, friend of the broadcast, uh, Julia Schleesing, is one of the candidates who is vying for the uh, Republican nominee in August. So uh, just as an aside, I don't normally endorse candidates on the show because, number one, no one cares what I think. And secondly, I want all the candidates to appear on this broadcast, regardless if I support them or not. But, hey, Julia is a longtime friend of the show, regular caller on the show in many capacities that she's been taking on, whether it was Miss Minneapolis or running for Miss Minnesota or when she was a journalist with Alpha News or a candidate for Chanhassen City Council, which she happens to be a uh, member of the Chanhassen City Council now after she was elected in 2018. So Julia uh, is whom I'm supporting to replace Senator Jensen. (coughs) I digress. So I bring this up because Senator Jensen put out a video, and again, go to Senator Scott Jensen's Facebook page. It's about a 13-minute long video from last Sunday, but it's well worth watching. Uh, He had indicated that he is being investigated by the Minnesota State Board of Medical Practice for public statements he's made about COVID-19. And I'll read from the uh, Pioneer Press story, or excuse me, uh, this is Star Tribune story, Mara Klecker. Uh, Jensen criticized the State Department of Health in April for following federal guidance stipulating when doctors should characterize deaths as due to COVID-19. He said he feared the death toll might be inflated if each state's allocation of federal funds depended on the number of COVID-19 deaths. His comments made in a series of interviews with TV personalities from North Dakota to Fox News in New York went viral. Some charged they fueled conspiracy theories and disinformation about the coronavirus. He told the Star Tribune that he felt his words were taken out of context. Jensen could not be reached for comment for this story. All right, first let me address that part of it there. Um, Some charged that they fueled conspiracy theories. Well, okay, if he is a physician giving an informed opinion and people running off with his opinion and forming conspiracy theories, uh, I don't know how uh, he's responsible for that, for people not taking in all sides of the story. Because unfortunately, as we've seen with this this particular coronavirus, it has been fully politicized. And it's a shame that a global pandemic is politicized, that we can't all agree that this is definitely a a bad thing, one that we should take very, very seriously. Um, and again, I'll talk a lot more about that in the second hour. Oh, you're, you're not going to want to miss that. But secondly, the comments that he was making, he was asking questions. Because, okay, what's to say that because they're incent- because there is more federal funds that will be made available if these are COVID-19 deaths, how, how is that going to, how do we ensure, how are we going to ensure that that's not fraudulent? How are we going to ensure that there is no motivation to inflate the numbers? Because remember, at the very beginning of this, public health officials said, look, We need to keep as many hospital beds open as possible. We can't overwhelm the system. This is a virus that a significant percent of the population is going to get. And we acknowledge that. But we can't all get it at once and overwhelm the health system. So what we need to do is take these precautions, sheltering in place. When you have to go out, wear a face mask, you know, socially distance, all that sort of thing. And... You know, they shut down what they deemed were non-essential businesses to ensure that people don't gather in larger crowds. And we were assured that this was just going to be a few weeks. Well, here we are uh, four months later, and we're still at that point. And again, there's myriad reasons for that, which I'll get into in the second hour. But my point is, if 
these hospitals weren't able to perform the routine checkups and say elective surgeries that were told to put on hold, furlough, defer, what have you, then that's revenue they lose out on. So can you not see how this would be ripe for fraud? This isn't a conspiracy theory. He was asking questions. It's like, and and of course, as a physician, he's like, well, wait a minute. You have these patients who I know for a fact have been terminally ill with cancer or have other diseases that are hampering them, whether it's, you know, like whether it be cancer, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, what have you. And then they get COVID-19 and that exacerbates the already terminal condition that they have. And it just expedites their death. How are we justified in calling that a COVID-19 death? You know, listing COVID-19 as the cause of death. So he was just asking questions, which as a physician and as a legislator, I would argue is not only his right to do, but his responsibility. How can you deny that? But because we are in an era of politicization, politicization of everything, politicization, I can't even say the word, uh, we can't even, uh, we can't even say that his motives are pure. We always have to chalk things up to being politicized. And, and, and it, and it's a bad place we're in, no doubt about it. As Dr. Jensen said, look, this, these complaints made to the Minnesota State Board of Medical Practice. These are anonymous complaints. I don't know who's making this complaint. For all I know, this is someone who has a political axe to grind. And because it's the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice, just the fact that, you know, Senator Jensen may end up being cleared, but just the fact that he was investigated, that is something that could be used against him. Now, again, he's not seeking re-election, so from a political standpoint, it may not be relevant. There's been rumors he's been thinking of running for governor uh, in 2022, Um that if 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 his plans are to do that, then this saga could certainly be brought up. So I would venture to say, yeah, this is very much political. And another issue that uh, the board is focusing on is they are acu- that Dr. Jensen is being accused of spreading misinformation about the death toll and providing reckless advice by peri- comparing COVID nineteen with the flu. And that's how a lot of people dismiss this early on. Say, well, it looks like it's going to be a bad flu season where a lot of people get it, but only a handful of people die. And typically those who are most vulnerable to the flu have underlying health conditions and are the elderly. Same as with this COVID. Yeah, but the difference is this coronavirus is much more contagious. And you know to avoid people who have the flu because they're exhibiting symptoms, right? Well, you could possibly have COVID and... It could be like you're totally healthy. You don't really exhibit any symptoms, but it's still very contagious. So there is a difference. But I remember Dr. Jensen making the comparisons with the flu. He was talking specifically about the mortality rate. Yeah, he acknowledged COVID is much more contagious, but there are ways to combat this by taking the proper precautions. And he urged the proper precautions, was always talking about being very safe during this time. But what he was comparing it to was the mortality rate, the death toll. And as we've seen that borne out, cases have gone crazy of late, and now typically death tolls are lag behind that. So we'll we'll see uh, if this is a more uh, mild strain of COVID, or if, or if it is, you know, into the or if people with more underlying health conditions are be affected are being infected. This latest spike in cases, the large indications are it is affecting more younger adults than, say, early on, where in early on, it was affecting a lot more people middle-aged and and higher, and obviously the elderly were the ones who were most susceptible when it came to the death toll. So there's certainly a lot of data to chew on, but there's no question that cases have spiked. So when Dr. Jensen, again, compared it to the flu, he was just talking about death toll. So if X percent who get the flu die from it, X percent who get COVID are dying from it. So he was saying in terms of death rate, it's probably about the same, but inevitably it's a higher death total because guess what? There are more COVID cases than in a typical flu season. 
But yet people just say, you know, oh, oh he, he uh, uh, compared it to the flu, and they just run with that complaint. And by the way, it's a one-page complaint. If you're going to make very serious charges against a reputable family physician like Dr. Jensen, um, you would think that there would be much higher threshold. But again, the Minnesota State Board of Medical Practice obligated to look into it, and uh, Dr. Jensen, he's welcoming the, the investigation. He says, yeah, I have nothing to hide. I'll, 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 I'll lay out everything I've talked about, everything I've said, made my case. But at the end of the day, all right, you don't have someone like Dr. Jensen with his reputation, with his experience, and people who will be able to vouch for him. So if somebody could politicize something that a doctor is saying by speaking from a position of authority and of knowledge, then what's to say it could happen to any regular person like yourself? So this sounds like uh, another instance of the attempted cancel culture, which that's also a subject we're going to get to in the second hour. 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. Hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, Brad Carlson, the calls are coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is the central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, a film about Corrie Ten Boom and her family's heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II and about her secret army of teenagers. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code Minneapolis. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com. Use promo code Minneapolis. This is Dennis Prager for Mathnasium, the math learning center. As you know, happiness is a moral obligation. But if you're a parent, that might seem impossible if you're trying to teach your kids math. Some would say choose one. You can't do both. If this is you, then Mathnasium has the solution. At Mathnasium, students learn to understand and master math. They learn number sense, math fluency, and problem-solving skills that equip them for success, not just in school, but for the rest of their lives. Mathnasium students become confident and even enjoy learning math with Mathnasium's customized and live one-on-one approach. Students can actually reach their potential, possibly even more than you might imagine. And now, with the added challenges due to COVID and school closings, more than ever, your child needs extra math support this summer to keep moving ahead. So do your kids and yourself a favor and enroll today at one of the Mathnasium centers listed on the Patriots advertiser page at am1280thepatriot.com. Mathnasium, changing lives and adding happiness through math. Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that I don't have a script? I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks and my pain was gone and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com and then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Need windows? Why sit through three separate high-pressure sales quotes when you could get three competing quotes in less than one hour? Hi, I'm Ryan, owner of My Three Quotes. I will personally come out to your home for free. No pressure, no gimmicks, three quotes guaranteed. Visit My Three Quotes today. Welcome back. Hey, I'm 1280 Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And here to take your phone call, 651-289-4488. 
can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag Narn Show, hashtag NARN Show for questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Consiglier, are you on Twitter yet? Definitely not. You don't not. use really any, so you're, yeah, you're kind of a social media uh, rebel, aren't you? you I've you just never been on social media any. at all, period. Not yeah. one of them. <laughs> it, it's impossible in this day and age for a person to uh, not have a digital footprint, but if anybody has done it, it's Consiglieri, <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> I, uh, which is impressive. I wish I could tune out like that, but of course <laughs> I use Twitter a lot for my show content. So, but I guarantee if I, if I didn't have this show, I, I would just completely get rid of it. It's a, uh, pretty much the proverbial dumpster fire to say the least, but, uh, I am using it. Hashtag NARN show. If you'd like to weigh in again, any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention to what's going on in the city of Minneapolis, particularly some neighborhoods, it's, um, there have been some nights where it kind of looks like a post-apocalyptic type of uh, atmosphere. If you've ever seen the Mad Max uh, movies with Mel Gibson, uh, some of the stuff that's going on there, firing guns in the air, drag races down the middle of Hennepin Avenue, which you know isn't exactly a rural area. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of people and traffic around, and for that to just go on without really much police intervention... Minneapolis says that's what they want, hence the effort to dismantle police. But a young lady by the name of Brandy Bennett wrote an op-ed in the Star Tribune this past week saying, um, you want to dismantle police? Yeah, why don't you come um, visit my neighborhood and then sing that tune? Uh, the Charter Commission should do the right thing for the city of Minneapolis and reject the proposed amendment from the city council to dismantle the police department. Last year, I moved from the suburbs to downtown. I wanted to be able to walk to work and enjoy the entertainment district, the sports, concerts, theaters, museums, and restaurants, etc. Within a few weeks, I wondered whether I had made a mistake. The summer of 2019 saw an uptick in crime all over Minneapolis, particularly in the downtown zone within a few blocks of my residence. Shootings, homicides, and attacks by gangs of youths beating people were captured on widely distributed videos that made national news. I felt relieved when Police Chief Madera Arandondo asked for, for additional officers and dejected when the city council gave him a fraction. In recent weeks, my walks home have become so dangerous that my co-workers give me rides. Fireworks, drag racing, and vehicular donuts on Hennepin Avenue are the norm at all hours of the night. Shootings, robberies, and carjackings have skyrocketed. The Park and Recreation Board overseeing the number one park system in the nation has given its stamp of approval for tent cities, including one just a few blocks from me. The president of the city council said on national television that calling 911 and expecting help might mean I come from a, quote, place of privilege, end quote. Hmm, I thought my right to public safety came from the $4,600 a year I pay in property taxes. Apparently, that right to safety is only afforded to city council members who are in the process of defunding the police, while at the same time so in fear for their own safety that they have hired private security on the taxpayer's dime. That's what our colleague Mitch Berg calls urban progressive privilege. Uh, I can think of many families in North Minneapolis that wish they could also take advantage of personal security. The Minneapolis Police Department was already overworked and underfunded, yet members of our quote-unquote progressive city council have very publicly proclaimed that they wish to defund and dismantle the force. They made that commitment based on input from a select few groups with a clear agenda against law enforcement, yet they claim this is what the entire community wants to see happen. Uh, I have my doubts that the entire community wants to see it happen, and I'll tell you why. Number one is because they are trying to usurp the voters, the city council, that is, by placing this amendment, uh, the uh, or excuse me, the Charter Commission, uh, this place this amendment through the Charter Commission to try to change the Minneapolis City Charter because the Minneapolis City Charter specifically says per resident, X percent of uh, residents have to be represented by this, um, this many officers. There's some sort of calculation in place where the number of officers is predicated upon this many residents, and it's, it's a calculation that's made in the Minneapolis City Charter. Well, the one way to, one way to change the charter is for to have a ballot question, quite simply, to the uh, citizens of Minneapolis, do you agree that we should defund and abolish the police force in Minneapolis? Simple yes or no question. And the majority surveyed, not just in Minneapolis, but around the country, is an overwhelming no. So screw the voters, they're just going to try to go around it here, apparently. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's just an absolute disgrace. And I bring all this up because our friend and Northern Alliance Radio Network colleague, Ed Morrissey, uh, talked about this very thing, you know, uh, this urban progressive privilege in Minneapolis, because a lot of these uh, limousine liberals that live in Minneapolis, you know, they talk about wanting, you know, caring about the poor, the marginalized, and they say, well, not not a lot of people can afford cars, and and our highway our highway system is a joke, and there's too much traffic. So yeah, we should absolutely have public transportation. We should absolutely subsidize public transportation so people can get to and fro. But when they find out that uh, one particular uh, segment of the light rail is going to run through the Linden Hills area in Minneapolis, whoa, not in my backyard. All right. So it's amazing how these people are always advocates for big government overreach, except when it affects them. And, and our co- our friend and colleague Mitch Berg has talked about in these very airwaves, those who were screaming loudest for shutting down businesses and whatever else were typically people in the public employee sector who were guaranteed to get a paycheck because government doesn't shut down in the midst of this global pandemic. But <clears throat> again, I digress. Uh, Ed Morrissey talked about in hot air uh, this past week, Uh, The Star Tribune reports on the third sexual assault in the Powderhorn Park neighborhood in as many weeks, although the report neglects to mention it's no police pledge it took after the killing of George Floyd. That led to an encampment of homeless people that now number in the hundreds forming in the park itself, which the neighborhood also seems determined to endure. And there was one story. Let me see if I could... um, Let me see if I could find it. Yeah. So there there was a gentleman... Uh, by the name of a Mitchell Erickson, he told the New York Times that uh, he felt so bad for calling 911 on two armed t- teenagers that pointed a, car, a gun at him and demanded his car keys. Yeah, that's right. Two kids pulled a gun on this guy, demanded his car keys, and he ended up calling 911. And I'll read from the New York Times story. Two days after an initial conversation, his Erickson's position had evolved. Yeah, I've been thinking more about it, he wrote in a text message. I regret calling the police. It was my instinct, but I wish I had, it hadn't been. I put those boys in danger of death by calling the cops. What about the fact that the boys, oh, I don't know, put his life in danger? Yeah, I know, and yeah, it was scary, but, eh, you know, the cops didn't really have much to add after I called them, he replied. I haven't been forced to think like this before, so I would have lost my car. So what? At least no one would have been killed. Um, I got news for mr erickson there these are a couple kids with guns so if you don't call police say ah here take my keys take my car and now you've got two kids two teenagers with with guns and a stolen car so what would have happened if these two kids would have taken this car for a joyride which typically when teenagers you know steal a car that's all they really want to do and then just leave it off by the side of the road somewhere and take off what if while taking this jar wide, they would have run over other kids in the neighborhood or decide to, oh, I don't know, they had guns, so I have a feeling they weren't just going to go out for target practice. This is just unbelievable. These, If you want to engage in this self-flagellation over what less marginalized people have gone through, okay, have at it, all right? But I don't see... How this is helpful to these kids that are they're doing this. They got how is this any incentive to stop this behavior right now and have an opportunity to maybe turn their lives around? But instead you're just going you're just basically encourage this type of behavior. And I'll read from uh continue to read from Ed Morrissey's uh, hot air post. Uh this is the essential problem inherent in dismantling police departments or demanding a broad disengagement with them. That leaves a vacuum of impunity that encourages violence and crime. Neighborhoods that already have those problems know this well already, which is why those Minneapolis residents think the idea of scaling back or dismantling the police department is egregious, grotesque, absurd, crazy, ridiculous. Terms used by the NAACP Urban League. Yeah, the NAACP and Urban League. Yeah, that's that's a conservative bastion, right? Yeah, not so much. Uh, used by them rather than wealthier white liberals in the city. They have had to live with these issues for decades and understand that community policing, which requires more resources and commitment to enforce the law and even minor transgressions, 
is a correct recipe for keeping people safe. They just want to know that the police understand that too and to stop abusing their power. And that's all reasonable and very fair, but uh, I've only got a few uh, 30 seconds left, so I'll end with this. If the Democrats take complete control of state government next year, which they only have to flip two seats in the Minnesota Senate to do so, so it's a very realizable goal, I guarantee you one of the things they're going to pass is gun control, specifically the red flag laws, where if they declare that somebody posing a danger to themselves and others is unfit to own a gun. um, Question for you. Who's going to go get that person's firearm? 651-289-4488 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Legendary service, install and repair. We'll fix anything with legendary care. Paul Bunyan is chopping prices on water heaters. Get a 40-gallon atmospheric water heater with installation by a certified technician for just $999, plus permit if needed. If you're having problems with your worn-out water heater, call Paul Bunyan Plumbing and Drains for their $999 special. Certain restrictions apply. For details, visit heypaul.com. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad is a very funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis who becomes an overnight social media phenomenon only to turn away from God and his family. But when he's confronted with a newfound friendship and the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. Some of these things I just can't fix without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce, as well as Grammy singer, YouTube star Jamie Grace, and War Room's Karen Abercrombie. It will inspire you to find the life-changing value of the Bible. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code Minneapolis to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Minneapolis. So, how are you, really? I mean, it's important. Larry Elder here. Now, we've been inundated by information, some good, some bad, some believable, some not. But how are you? Have you been exposed to COVID-19? I wear the new circle ring on my finger daily to listen to my body. The circle shares my oxygen levels. You see, a decrease of oxygen levels in the blood can be one of the earliest signs that your body is fighting a virus. Early detection of COVID-19 and other health concerns are paramount. The circle provides this type of vital data, allowing me to make decisions and Seek medical counsel ASAP. Instant and daily reports simply stored in my phone. This might alert me to a health issue and encourage me to seek medical direction. Knowing my body's story allows me to make intelligent and healthier routine changes. Before wearing my circle, I just assumed all was well. So, how are you? Find out like I did at bodymetrics.com. B-O-D-I metrics.com. And be sure and use promo code Larry. In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, For God and Country, The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro-life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. For God and Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Me, Brad Carlson. Thanks for tuning in. 651-289-4488. That's the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Hashtag NarnShow for any comments or questions. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, We're continuing with uh, some local issues. Well... The schools opening in the fall is kind of a national issue, but I want to do focus on a local survey that was put forth by the Minnesota Department of Education. The results yeah, may or may not be surprising. We'll see. But uh, I, I I didn't hear any of the excerpts of the interview, but apparently uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos was on with the uh, with Dana Bash 
on CNN this morning. I don't know what the CNN story is called. Uh, but apparently she was saying, look, kids need to get back to school. President Trump has been saying that very thing. And of course, when any, when, whether it's President Trump or anybody in his administration, there's immediately, I mean, the people turn into uh, the little girl and the exorcist when their heads start spinning around and they spew green vomit. I mean, anything that the Trump administration says, they're immediately contrarian with just a vicious tone to it. Um, but does the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, do they hold any weight? Is their opinion valued in this particular issue? Uh, because they're saying, yeah, the uh, benefits outweigh the risks uh, when it comes to kids going back to the school, going back to school, physical classrooms this fall, provided provided certain criteria is met. And again, this is from the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics, a website that uh, they oversee called healthychildren.org. So one of the first questions they ask, of course, uh, one of the first cases they make, of course, why students should go back to school, but safely. The AAP guidance is based on what pediatricians and infectious disease specialists know about COVID-19 in kids. Evidence so far suggests that children and adolescents are less likely to have symptoms or severe disease from infection. They also appear less likely to become infected or spread the virus. Schools provide more than academics to children and adolescents. In addition to reading, writing, and math, children learn social and emotional skills, get exercise and access to mental health support, and other things that cannot be provided with online learning. For many families, school is where where kids get healthy meals, access to Internet, and other vital services. Well, of course... There isn't a lot of people, particularly parents, after seeing what their kids endured with this distance learning the last three, four months of last school year, uh, who are going to disagree with that. But, of course, they're also going to want to know, okay, that's fine, I understand all that, but my kid goes to a school where there are 30-plus students in one classroom. Well, my wife teaches at a public school uh, district here in the Twin Cities, and her classrooms are routinely 35 kids easily 30 to 35 kids okay not very conducive to social distancing so what can schools do again this is uh this is what uh the Ameri- the healthychildren.org website says obviously physical distancing the goal should be to stay at least six feet apart to help prevent the spread of the virus that causes covid19 however spacing desks at least three feet apart and avoiding close contact may have similar benefits for students especially if students wear cloth face coverings and do not have symptoms of illness. All right, if you know middle schoolers, my wife teaches in middle school, those masks are going to end up over their, over their eyes and they're going to pretend like they're the Lone Ranger or they're going to play all sorts of games with these or when they have to cough or sneeze, they'll instinctively lift their mask up to cough or sneeze without covering their mouth. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's going to have to be... Um, a little bit of instruction with how to wear these, that's for sure, but it is possible. Uh, teachers and staff who are likely more at risk of getting COVID-19 from other adults than from children at school should stay the full six feet apart from each other and students when possible. Teachers and staff should also wear uh, cloth face coverings and limit in-person meetings with other adults. When possible, outdoor spaces can be used for instruction and meals. Students should also have extra space to spread out during activities like singing and exercising. And, of course, they talk about uh, cloth face coverings and hand hygiene, you know, frequent hand washing and wearing the the cloth face coverings. Uh, Classroom changes to help limit student interaction outside the classroom. Schools can have teachers move between classrooms rather than having students fill the hallway during passing periods allow students to eat lunches at their desks in or, or in small groups outdoors instead of in crowded lunchrooms, and leave classroom doors open to help reduce high-touch surfaces such as doorknobs. There's also temperature checks and testing. COVID testing of all students is not possible for most schools. Taking students' temperatures at school also may not always be feasible. Schools should establish ways to identify students with fever or other symptoms of illness. 
They can also frequently remind students, teachers, and staff to stay home if they have a fever of 100.4 degrees or higher or have any signs of illness. Well, that just seemed, that seems like common sense, but a lot of teachers like to power through and say, ah, eh, you know, just a little sniffle I can get through. And same thing with kids. You know, parents, they don't really want to take the time from work and say, yeah, suck it up. You'll be fine for a day. But obviously there's going to have to be a change in thought process here. So anyways, this is, a, this is very long, very thorough, but healthychildren.org is the website. And again, it's put forth by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And they are basically saying, if you read the whole thing, they're saying, yeah, the benefits outweigh the risks of kids going back in the classroom. And here's how those concerns can be assuaged. So now from a local standpoint, here in Minnesota, there was a uh, Pioneer Press story that reported on a survey that was put forth by the Minnesota Department of Education. And this is, again, the Pioneer Press story. I read the first couple paragraphs of it. Asked whether they would feel comfortable sending uh, your students back to a classroom this fall. 64% of parents said yes. 11% said no. And 24% were unsure. Those reluctant to send their kids back to school said their main concern was public health. Obviously, uh, daily cleaning was the most likely to make them feel more comfortable, along with small class sizes, daily health checks, and a decrease in COVID-19 cases. Governor Tim Walz ordered all public schools in the state to close in mid-March because of the pandemic. The 11 weeks of distance learning to end the 2019-2020 school year went badly for 53% of the respondents the survey found. The top three challenges they cited were a lack of student empowerment, mental health challenges related to the pandemic, and hard-to-understand lessons. The survey, which yielded over 134,000 online responses between June 15 and July 6, will be used to inform a decision from state officials about whether schools can reopen, and if so, what precautions they should take that decision is expected no later than the week of July 27, so two weeks from tomorrow. So this is quite a dilemma, I think, for the Walls administration, because just the other day, Governor Walls had indicated that he would have been more confident three weeks ago if asked about the prospects of opening school than he is today. And his concerns are certainly validated. I mean, if you look at the latest data in COVID cases, the number of confirmed cases in Minnesota, they've gone up pretty dramatically of late. Whereas we had been leveling off pretty good, and as a result, the death toll has gone way down. I think of the previous three weeks, uh, 17 or 18 days had single-digit death toll numbers. So basically 17 out of the 19 days had single-digit death toll numbers, which is an awful tragedy no doubt about it, but it's going in the right direction because I remember for a month we had 25 to 30 deaths related to COVID on a daily basis. So the fact that it's down in the single digits, it's going in the right direction. No doubt about it. Again, still an awful tragedy that there are any deaths and heartbreaking that 80% of them are still in long-term care facilities. How we haven't figured this challenge out, I don't know. But the point is, now that we've had a spike in COVID cases here in Minnesota, uh, how is this going to temper the decision? And again, parents took this survey over a three-week span when COVID cases were starting to level off. Now that they've gone crazy again, maybe they might have a, a change of heart. Who's to say? But if they can, if they're if they can reach a comfort level where all of the public health precautions will be taken you know, sanitizing workstations and what have you, and how kids are not as infe- are not as uh, vulnerable to this ailment as adults, that might help. But the problem is, it, it's not a zero percentage of kids that can be affected. It's not zero. And, it, and if kids can be infected but not show any symptoms, guess what? They can still infect others. They're still contagious even though they're asymptomatic. And you have adults all over those school buildings, teachers, administrators, custodial staff, and some could have underlying health conditions. So there's, st- there's still a risk. We're not saying the risk is zero, but uh, I, my wife, again, works in a public school district, and she labels it a germ factory. 
I mean, you you can't get away from ailments there. So how much COVID would exacerbate what they're already susceptible to, which, you know, flu is is very common, but the difference is, of course, there's a vaccine for the flu. There isn't a vaccine for COVID yet. And one final thing, and, and then we'll go to a break, and if, if Mark is still on the line, if he could possibly hold during the break, I promise I'll take his call right at the beginning of the final segment this hour. But I just want to wrap up with this one quick thing, and we'll take a break. This was brought to my attention by my uh, friend uh, Ben Cruzy. Many of you probably know Ben, of the uh, host of the Up and Adam podcast. The original headline for this story said more than one in three parents are reluctant to send kids back to school, survey finds. 11% are not comfortable, and 24% are unsure. That's 35%, so that's the one in three they're talking about. So can someone explain to me how 24% who reply are unsure are labeled as reluctant? That If they marked unsure, who's to say they're saying, well, you know what, I really think the kids need to get back to school. It's better for their mental health. They need to be among their friends. They need to be engaging in physical and social activity. It is much better for them. I think they need to go back. But this COVID thing, still a risk. What is the school going to do to alleviate uh, the risk of COVID. And obviously there's no plan in place yet because it hasn't ultimately been decided whether students are even going back to school. So to say that the 24 are unsure to label them reluctant, um, seems to me somebody's trying to push a narrative there, but that's a total aside to the story, but kudos to my friend Ben Gruzy for pointing this out. The URL to the story still contains the original headline. They eventually settled on a headline that uh, said that started with 11% uh, are rel- do not want to send their kids back to school in the fall, which, again, I don't know why you start with the smallest, the minority part of the survey of what was the least popular answer, but I don't know. It, by that, it seems like somebody's trying to push an agenda and a narrative there, and it's the headline writer, not the writer of the story. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Mark, if, you, if there's any way you can hold again during the break, I promise I'll take your call when we come back right here. AM twelve eight of the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Go nowhere. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. AM twelve eighty the Patriot. Whoa. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream the Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and for years this great station has been fighting to keep the Twin Cities right. As we head into 2020, I would ask that you help us continue the fight by supporting our local sponsors who live, work, and play right here in the Twin Cities. Now here's a word from our friend Dennis Prager. I, I appeal to you to fight I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. And helping fighters is as good and noble as fighting. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help the station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Those sponsors, they are making us possible. No sponsors, we're talking to ourselves. By supporting the local businesses you hear on this station, you help support us as we continue to keep the Twin Cities right. Being a teenager is tough. There's the constant pressure to be liked. Endless worrying about college. Cyberbullying, high expectations, all the negativity. There's no question. Being a teenager is tough. And what do Minnesota's teens do when they want to block out the noise and clear their heads? We play! Research shows that teenagers who participate in high school sports have lower stress levels, more confidence, and greater self-esteem. And then there's the biggest benefit of all. High school sports are fun. Not just fun. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Encourage your teenagers to participate in a sport or activity when they go to high school. They'll stress less and smile more. And they'll be laying the foundation for a happier, healthier future. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. 
This is the central theme of the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, a film about Corey Ten Boom and her family's heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II and about her secret army of teenagers. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with the promo code MINNEAPOLIS. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com. Use promo code MINNEAPOLIS. With the vast majority of media today leaning hard left, it can be tricky to find news that actually shares, let alone defends, a conservative viewpoint. Hotair.com provides analysis and commentary from conservative writers like Ed Morrissey. Hotair.com. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Wrapping up the first hour, but we'll be back with the second hour. Take your phone call, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show for any comments or questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Mark, I appreciate your patience. Uh, Mark in St. Louis Park is on line one. You are on the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. Uh, Brad, thanks for taking my call. I didn't want to be rude and hang up, but what the last uh, a part of uh, the previous segment was exactly why I called in. Uh, with Josh Vergas, the headline I thought was outrageous. Uh, one-third of parents reluctant to send kids to school. Sixty Instead of saying two-thirds of parents are okay with sending them to school, the way I read it, only 11% said no. The 24% unsure they could have been yes, not necessarily no. And he left out another part of that study. I'm amazed the study got in. Got, the study saw the light of day. To be honest, um, 94% of kids par- parents want their kids to, scan- to attend school full time once they reopen. So in other, in other words, right. not one or two days a week, like the governor has, has hinted, or the school officials. They want the kids to attend 94%. 94% wanted the kids to attend full-time. It was an outrageous headline. And by the way, uh, Kimberly Strassel mentioned about the Scandinavian countries who have been open for a couple of months to schools, and they found very little transmission among students to student and student to adult. And I think they've been right. uh, doing something special with the older teachers, over 60, over 55. They're doing something special. I can't remember what they're doing. But the transmission rates were extremely low for both, children to children and children to adult. So I just thought that Kimberly Strassel wrote, wrote that in the Wall Street Journal. But the, but the headline was outrageous. And thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, they did change the headline. Like I say, it, it went from one in three parents reluctant to send their kids back to school. Then they changed the headline. It says, survey of Minnesota parents. 11% not comfortable sending kids back to school. 24% unsure. 64% okay with it. Uh, still not a great headline because, again, I guarantee if 64% would have opposed it, they would have started with a larger number, that headline. There's no doubt about it. So, But, again, Josh Vergas, I don't, I don't ding him. He's the one who wrote the story. The headline writer is separate from who writes the story. So, like I say, there, there clearly is a narrative here. And, again, Betsy DeVos was on with C, uh, Dana Bash on CNN this morning. And just her saying, yeah, kids need to be back at school. Oh, that's it. You know, Trump administration wants to kill kids. I mean, there is absolutely zero nuance with the anti-Trump people. And again, nobody is advocating sending kids back to school like nothing ever happened. There absolutely will have to be a paradigm shift in how students interact with each other and what they do as far as uh, outside activities and lunchtime and dealing with teachers, everything. And yeah, kids are going to have to wear face masks, okay? That To me, that's a non-starter. Again, I know I had a lot of people out in the crowd who, who are opposed to wearing face masks. That's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. But it's not going to happen if they're not wearing face masks. And again, this is something the kids are going to have to get used to. There's no doubt about it. And these are kids who get easily distracted by anything. Imagine having a face mask on. Uh, my wife actually posted uh, on her Facebook page a, a TikTok video of some teacher showing what kids will be like when they're wearing these face masks was absolutely hilarious. Some of the goofy things they would do because they're kids. Okay. They, they, you know, that's what they do. So, uh, again, I'll be very interested to hear what they ultimately decide two weeks from Monday. I would be shocked if it is distance learning, complete distance learning. Okay. I think the walls administration knows by now that that's, a non-starter 
that there has to be some combo platter where they may rotate which students go in two times a week and which don't. Again, it'll be somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're going to allow all students to go back full-time right away, uh, but it's definitely not going to be all distance learning either. I know that does that's probably not really going out on a limb, but uh, yeah, I, I just I just don't see them going full-time, all of them. And again, like Mark alluded to, those who are okay with kids going back, 94% of those parents are saying, yeah, we want them back full-time. And again, I understand the parents' motivation. And if any of them were taking this survey, the early, the earliest it was offered, June 15, it was a week removed from when the kids got out of school. And they're probably still thinking, my God, I never want to go through that again, this distance learning type of thing. They got to go back to school. So <laughs> I wouldn't doubt if it were a decision made more on mental energy or the mental exhaustion they were feeling at the time. And who could blame them? You know, my again, I was working from home uh, from about mid-March until June 1st, so I was watching my wife conduct lessons, uh, you know, via the distance learning, and it's difficult enough for teachers. I can't imagine what the kids were going through, because kids need, you know, that 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 um, that stimulation of being around their friends, that social and, and physical activity, and you know, it's it's difficult enough learning in a in a classroom, and then. You know, lessons can only be deciphered so well online, and, and kudos to the teachers because I obviously know a lot of teachers and what they were able to do. But you know, ultimately, uh, at least at this point in time, uh, I don't know that it's the most optimal situation. Maybe it's a wave of the future, but right now, it's it's going to need to be a transition. That that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be interested to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. And again. This survey was taken from June 15 to July 6, and only within the past week have Minnesota COVID cases really begin to spike. So now parents who are saying they're okay sending their kids back to school, are they going to be changing their tune given the uh, these uh, COVID cases going up dramatically? Uh, who's to say? But uh, a lot of interesting decisions to be hashed out over the next couple of weeks, that's for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, hour number one in the books, hour number two coming back in mere moments. AM 12, to the Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back in mere moments. Go nowhere. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing don't wait another day take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print you've already written a book so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to dorns publishing and get your free guide to publishing call right now 800-482-8399 800-482-8399 that's 800-482-8399 Pick it up or take it out, RackShackToGo.com or RackShackDelivery.com. It's so easy. Hey, you've been working hard. Half the staff is gone and your crew needs a lift. Go to RackShackToGo.com for pickup or RackShackDelivery.com and we'll bring it out to you. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that RackShack Attack, RackShack Barbecue, We can all agree that a good education benefits students, their family, and society as a whole. Education shapes your child into the person they will become. Join your local hosts, Rebecca Hagstrom and Mark Durkin, as they explore how to get the best education for your child while ensuring that the values you're teaching at home are being respected. From cursive to curriculum and everything in between, school is now in session. Education Nation, Saturdays at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. Runners, to your mark. Set. Some may see a sprinter. 
At the NFHS, we see a future leader already off to the races. Some may see a volleyball player. One hit! Way to go, girls! At the NFHS, we see a spike in confidence that will help her achieve her potential. What else do we see? Musicians learning to march to their own beat. We're the NFHS, the national leader and advocate for high school athletics and activities in America, helping today's teenagers develop the skills they need to become tomorrow's leaders. And we see it happening in communities across Minnesota every single day. Learn more about the NFHS commitment to youth at NFHS.org. This message presented by the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. AM 